Welcome to episode 553 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we feature a wonderful conversation with regular contributor, writer, director, professor, baker, and candlestick maker, Kitty Bell Burbank. We talk with Kitty from her place in the West Side about Dopplingers, no logos, the shock doctrine, Naomi Klein, the dark side, the progressive side, anti-vax conspiracy theories, going after moms, feminism, Eastern European culture, big pharma, big tech, more ambitious and less reactive, adults, personal freedom, a united society, the holiday cookie run, writing a holiday poem, wrapping paper, absolutes, and our grandmothers, among other things. A grand conversation with Kitty Bell Burbank this go-round. We also have an EW piece titled Cabby, and another EW piece titled Black and Green Olives. All of this, of course, will be infused, imbued, with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It is so nice to be with you. Let's get to it then. Episode 553 of Troubadours and Rock-On Tours. Oh 
cabbie. Hot head in a yellow long sleeve, button-down sweater. My brother Cab sent me a photo of a mohawked Mr. Bickle. It made me think of my madness in me, as well as the prospect of eating a big, crispy, green pickle. Lavender poppy seed blue and white t-shirt under my sweater, and a Buddhist bead bracelet brown on my left wrist. Thank you, Cab, for giving us...
Hello. Kitty Bell Burbank, is that you? It is. I'm still here. <laughs> Thankfully. I'm so For happy now. to hear that. For now. Well, it's uh, always a pleasure for us to have you on Troubadours and Rock on Tours, regular contributor, writer, director, professor, baker, and candlestick maker, among other things. And it's even extra special when it's the holiday season, I think. So uh, we, we traditionally have Kitty Bell on uh, for certain right around the holiday season because she has a lot of cool things to, you know, take us through in that context. In particular, her um, expertise and her love of making pastries for the holidays. But there's a bunch of other things we're going to talk about, too. I know um, you want to get into some, some stuff you've been reading, and and uh, I want to talk to you about some things I haven't shared with you yet, either. I don't think there are any curveballs, though. Though You always hit my curves. Out of the park, usually. So thanks again for taking time out. I know you're busy. How you doing? Uh, it's okay. You know, we're at the uh, end of the semester here, and it's winding down. Um, but, you know, it's going to be spring before we know it. And I'm prepping to teach two classes I haven't taught before, which is exciting. But uh, it's also what I'll be doing over the break. <laughs> Preparing uh, those classes, yeah. Yeah, I mean, preparing all of them. Uh, I tried to cut down, but it looks like I'm still going to be at seven. So, you know, we'll say our prayers. Yeah, you'll do fine. Although it is a lot of work, seven classes, yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, you're, you're reading a couple of things as of late. Uh, that Yeah, you... is it any wonder that I've... Uh, been reading uh, anti-capitalist authors. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I think that t- makes total sense. I have a track record. Um, I can't believe I'd never read Naomi Klein sooner. I certainly was aware of her. Um, I heard of her books. I just never actually read them. And give those folks who maybe haven't ever heard of her a little background as far as you understand what what she's about as a as a writer well i mean she she would say that she's an anti-capitalist writer she said that um in doppelganger which is her new book which i i think i'm i'm listening to the audiobook i've been driving a lot these days so audiobooks are my best friend uh, i'm at like 98 <laughs> percent, so i'm almost done with that um, but previously she wrote a book called No Logo, which is pretty famous. Um, also The Shock Doctrine, which is also uh, a pretty well-known book. I certainly had heard of the title. I had a, you know, I was aware of it, but since I tend toward the fictional, uh, side of things, I just hadn't ever gotten around to reading it. And again, the author's name. Oh, Naomi Klein. Naomi Klein. Yeah. Yes. She's a Canadian Although she did, uh, she has family from Philadelphia. Um, I think she's in the British Columbia, Vancouver area uh, these days. And and some of the stuff, some of what she shares in uh, No Logo, Doppelinger, and the Shock Doctrine resonates with you. Yeah, well, this new book is really interesting. I mean, I've always been kind of interested in that idea of like the the double, you know, the dark side, the 
the way that no human is either like all good or all bad, right? At least not the interesting ones. There's a, (laughs) there's a little bit of a blend there, you know, but, um, She's had this experience that I, I think people will understand being confused for another Naomi, um, which in one interview, uh, a Wired said they're both telegenic Jewish public intellectuals with, you know, with that same first name and the one syllable last name. And um, therefore, people have gotten them confused. Um, I don't know, but it's it's to the point where it got so bad. So when Naomi Wolf appeared, Naomi in the Wolf. 90s, okay, that's yes. the other one you're talking about. Right. She came out in the '90s as a feminist with a book called The Beauty Myth, which I read then. I may still actually have. I'm not sure. I haven't opened it in a while. Um, and you know, was a uh, a voice, a woman's voice on the the left, on the progressive side. But then at some point in her evolution, um, and this is one of the interesting lessons I think to take away from the doppelganger book is when people mess up or they say things that are kind of like out of the uh, umbrella of what we normally consider, um, you know, our comfort zones as leftists or whatever, um, they, they get shamed. She got kicked off of Twitter finally and people cheered. And so she no longer had anywhere to go and somehow ended up um, on Steve Bannon's show. Oh, no. Boo right? hiss. So, yeah. So everybody's always confusing these two women. Right. So whatever Naomi Wolf does, Naomi Klein gets slack about it right they think (laughs) it's her they think she's the one that's saying all of these anti-vax things all of these conspiracy theory like she's gone really far off the deep end this naomi wolf the other one right but she was a progressive at one point yeah yeah and that's one of the things that that klein gets to in her book is that there's a lot of people that were on the left end of things that have been lost and the way that you know trump under bannon's guidance went after that group of people who had always voted democrat but were felt neglected felt like nobody cared about them anymore um those those white union guys you know that were uh blue collar you know though i i have to say i mean i'm a white blue collar <laughs> union guy right and i abhor bannon bannon and trump because they are insulting to yeah. my intelligence and to my sense of what is right and wrong they're insulting to my sense of what the united states of america is all about what most of us have to deal with they have no clue and they manipulate i think so i don't give uh other white blue collar union people any slack on that they must have something else in them like racism that compels them to follow imbeciles hateful imbeciles like ben bannon and trump yeah i have to put that out there no excuse sure and they are being baited i mean for sure but so that's already been done that damage has already been done right Trump didn't win last time. So what are they going to do now? They're going after the moms, Mm. right? And we've seen this coming. I've had conversations with you about why are they attacking education? 
right? What's why do they think teachers are the bad people here? It's they're putting fear in these women about what is being done to their kids Mm -hmm. and they're going to try to get their votes that way. And the vaccination thing, that whole, the COVID, everything that they keep talking about, everything that they're talking about with LGBTQ and the, the banning books and the teachers and they're, they are trying to get people's fear stoked in what's going to happen to their kids. Right. And so they're trying to come out you know, Bannon and, and his people are trying to come out on on recruiting them, this army of of women. Yeah. Um, and, and Klein talks about that really effectively to the point where I'm like, oh, you know, I, I saw it, but I hadn't really put all the pieces together. Right. And she makes I think that the strongest point she makes is because this is so unpleasant. Right. We don't want to hear the terrible things like you were just referring to the terrible things that they say. We we turn away from that. We don't want to hear it. Right. She's had to kind of listen because. What are they going to accuse her of saying next that her (laughs) doppelganger said? Right. So she started listening. She's been listening to to Bannon for years. And, you know, so that we don't have to. Thank you. But this I mean, I. I didn't even want, I was like, oh, I wonder what Naomi Wolf has said, has had to say about Naomi Klein's book, right? I didn't even want to go to her website. I was so scared of what I might see there that I didn't even want to look. And And that's the problem. They see us, we don't see them. They see us, we don't see them because we choose, we progressives or whatever, the left leaning, we we choose not to go into their world because it's too disturbing. Yeah. Um, Now, I want to ask you a quick question. So the Doppelganger uh, book by Naomi Klein, when she is talking about, when she uses the term doppelganger, is she referring to the fact that people often mistake her for Naomi Wolf? Well, that's, that's one layer. Right. But then she's also talking about this mirror world that Bannon and other people who have taken language from the left and and co-opted. Right. I think we've talked about that before, too, because it's just so fascinating. Right. Like it was people on the left that used to have conspiracy theories. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. They took conspiracy theories away from, you know, the hippies and and whoever (laughs) that had these ideas to begin with. But then also. Um, if you look at, um, they're pulling on this fear, right? Big pharma, big tech, right? The mainstream media is bought and paid for by Pfizer and Moderna. Bannon is playing these clips. Well, like Naomi Klein points out, it sounds a lot like things Chomsky used to say about the things that, that she said, you know, and they know that the fear is there and the fear is deserved, right? We should be afraid of of what these drug companies are doing. And we should be afraid of what the tech companies are doing, but they've twisted it. Like, and she, she refers to it as this like mirror image, this distorted image of what progressives had been doing for years. And they're like taking the tools away so that there's nothing left to say. Or do, or to be able to do. Yeah. You know, it, it, in in their policies or lack thereof, uh, the Republicans I'm talking about, you know, that Banyan and, and Trump are connected to that party. That's the thing. You know, you're right. Uh, I agree with what the analysis you just shared uh, coming from Naomi Klein puts puts out there. 
Yeah, the, that's her analysis. Right. Yeah. She, you know, they they Banyan, Trump, and that ilk, they try to convince us that they are on our side, talking about issues that we truly are concerned about, you know, work, working class every day, most of us here in, in, in American society. But when it comes down to doing the work necessary to address those issues that concern us, they don't. Yeah. They do the opposite or they do nothing at all. Yeah. And so, like she points out, well, there's a reason that pregnant women should be concerned, right? Is this going to be safe for my child? Is this, you know, are these vaccines? Like, we should be asking these questions. Like, did they do enough testing? Are they just rushing it out? But we don't want to confuse <laughs> the left doesn't want to get confused with anti-vaxxing and the, the whole other side of things. So we just avoid it altogether rather than asking questions. So then these, these women feel abandoned, right? The only people that are talking about this thing that concerns me is, is the far right. Right. Exactly. And and when you talk about feminism, let's talk about, I mean, you know about it more than I do, but I know this Feminism and its several different um, variations since the 60s oftentimes excludes most women because it doesn't speak to the issues that real life uh, puts on the proverbial plate of most women. It, it talks about issues that privileged women uh, deal with are dealing with or that affect you know that relate to to their experience their journey for example if if you go to a bunch of working class women and say you have the right to work they'll be looking at you what do you mean the right i have to work to make you know my ends meet what are you talking about you don't really understand my situation you know uh, and and those who are more privileged they didn't have to work or they weren't given the opportunity to work in in uh, maybe publishing or or in fields professional fields because it was a sexist situation and they weren't allowed in yes that's a real issue but most women didn't have that issue to deal with they had to deal with just putting food on the table right so, so my point is then the left the progressives they look like they're out of touch and they sound like they're out of touch because I guess indeed they are out of touch or they were with most women in this country. And then where do they end up with the Republicans who are speaking to those issues? Yeah. And the people that feel like they, you know, we know that women got had to carry the burden of the uh, pandemic weight you know, in their families, whether it be childcare or, you know, trying to, to work from home and to handle everything. Um, there, there's been a lot of articles about that that came out, you know. So, yeah, they're feeling a little, um, you know, are you going to shut the schools down on me again? Are you going <laughs> to, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's justifiable fear that people have. And criticism. Yeah. 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 So um, the one thing that she said on uh, that Democracy Now! Um, interview that I looked at is that the, the left needs to be more ambitious and less reactive. And I was like, OK, that's something that that's a prescription. Right. How yeah. do we do that, though? How do we be more ambitious and less reactive? Um uh, I don't know, but <laughs> at least it's good to have a goal. <laughs> right. Yeah, at least. Yeah, exactly. Um Oh, 
this is some heavy, important stuff that you're talking about. I mean, and, and we're talking about this in the context of, uh, again, let's keep in mind, Republicans, that party, uh, they are totally behind the overturning of Roe versus Wade, yeah. right? Which most people in this country, men and women alike, do not agree with, it seems, right. ba- based on polling. Um, so look at what's actually occurring from the Republican uh, party and all of their uh, creatures. They they are not taking care of your best interests, America. And the left, I guess they have to do better. Yeah. Messaging is not so good, is it? No, I don't, I don't know. I mean, yeah, more ambitious. I mean, I'm going to have to side on the anti-capitalist end here. Like I just got in a thing with my car insurance company which i have to have by law or i'm not allowed to drive and they want six months in advance six months of of your insurance payments in advance that's a lot of money and there's nothing that i can do or say about it because i have to have the insurance right maybe you can you can change your insurance provider I guess that's that's some time and research that I, you know, I'm going to have to do. I guess if I, I could wanna, give you when if we're I off air. That. If we're when we're off air, I can give you who I use, and they're pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Text um, me afterwards. Yeah, but this is like, I mean, I guess I can say it, right? I don't owe them anything. Um, you know, USAA, which is for veterans and their families, right? So yeah. you think that there's a different level of consideration there? <laughs> no. You know? That's a no. bunch of crap. Excuse yeah. my language. It's just it's just a marketing thing, I guess. Right. They wrap the you flag know? in the military around their brand and yeah. bought around their product. It's really actually uh, it's questionable that but they should be allowed right, to do that. Yeah, right before Christmas to say you have to pay us $1000 for services before we give them to you. And what? there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah, that's bull. That's that's where we're at as a country right now. So, yeah, I want to know what you're going to do about that. Democrats. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know. Well, what are your ideas at least? And then speak to the fact that the Congress is messed up, you know. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's you know, when you're, I, I don't know if I've ever said this before, probably, but when you're a kid, you like think that adults know what's <laughs> going on and they know what they're doing. And then you, you like it starts to chip away and, you know, you get to be, you know, our age and it's like, these people have no idea what they're doing. No, I, I remember I, I heard a, a little talk one time with uh, President Obama after he was president, after he was out of office. And uh, he talked about when he was moving up the ranks of leadership. You know, he's at the state level. And, and there were so many jamokes that he, that's what he called them. He used the term jamokes around that were difficult to deal with. You know, backward, narrow minded, you know, sort of lazy. And so that then he, he kept moving up. He figured if I get out of the state level, I'll get to the federal level, there'll be less jamokes. There'll be more sophisticated, more developed, you know, more experienced, what have you. He gets into the he gets into the Senate, same thing, you know, jamokes, surrounded by jamokes. He's like, wow, even at the federal level. And then he becomes president, he's going to international <laughs> summits or whatever. There's he said there are always there will always be jamokes around you no matter where you are working, yeah. what context, and you got to learn how to deal with them. Yeah. I guess it's a little judgmental, but I think he was just being honest, talking to us, you know, people that understand what he means by jamokes. 
<laughs> it's a good word. It is a good word. Uh, it sounds like a Northeastern Pennsylvania word, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Jamoke. Talking to Kitty Bell Burbank here on Troubadours and Rock On Tour. She's no Jamoke. She's a regular contribu contributor to the program for a good number of years, I'm happy to say. Writer, director, professor, baker, and candlestick maker. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad you brought this up about Naomi Klein and uh, some of her anti-capitalist uh, ideas. Um, yeah, capitalism is a tough thing, you know, to to break free from, especially when you've been immersed in it your whole life. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it shouldn't exist in any form, but they just have way too much power. The companies have way too much power. And w talking to the car insurance lady, I was like, I know this isn't your fault. I know this is what the computer told you your options are, right? Artificial intelligence is telling you what choices you're allowed to give me and you have you have to do what it says right <laughs> right um terrible yeah. doesn't take into account you know i've been a customer since 2017 never like missed one payment which i made up for doesn't matter that's it that's the amount of mistakes you're allowed to make none that's terrible and they right? and, and they get away with she it she could do about it she felt terrible you know right right she, we're all stuck in the system. Was she, yeah. gonna, is she gonna like? She, she's not allowed to do anything about it. And what, you, what is she supposed to throw down for you and then lose her job? You know. Yeah. Yeah. So what am I supposed to do? Like right. write a letter to who? Bob <laughs> Casey? Like I don't know. I don't know what to do except to like give them my savings account. You know. <laughs> Otherwise, you can't drive to work. Right. Yeah. Right. Because you're you're an adjunct professor and you're driving to several different campuses. Yeah. To make it. I already have to teach three classes a year just to be able to pay for the car. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't seem healthy. It's not. It's not a healthy system when people who work hard, who are earnest, who are giving to community to the community, and you know that's the way they're making their living. It sounds like a wonderful relationship, but for the fact that you struggle. You struggle to to be able to pay your bills and to to live, uh, you know, above your 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 basic means. And especially as you get older, you you deserve that. We all deserve that. Uh, but you know, and then that's going to affect your emotional, psychological state, of course, when it seems sure. like you can't get ahead and it doesn't matter what you do. Well, sure, I was working so much. That's the reason I <clears throat> forgot I didn't pay in the first place. <laughs> So I was directing a play and teaching seven classes, right? right? And then I'm like, oh, whoops, I missed that. Let me get on that. I thought I fixed the problem. Doesn't matter. No. You know, just doesn't matter. No, it's not. It's not a healthy system. It really is not. Uh, I, I, we, we, we have to do some soul searching and we have to recalibrate, uh, broaden our perspective as to what is a good life and what is important. We really do, as you know, as a society here in the in the U.S. in the West. I mean, the whole planet, I suppose. But man, I can't be looking at everything. I'm just trying to figure out my own neighborhood, my own yeah. country. Yeah, but yeah. We, we, you know, we're not doing it right. Right, which I think it's why this book was somehow comforting to me because I at least felt like, okay, somebody sees what I see. You know that that we've chosen this idea of personal freedom, which yes, we should have and progressives have always said that right but 
to the point where we're we're making bad choices because we're not able to act as a united society anymore to get things that are you know like we don't even want to suffer the tiniest discomfort if it's the best thing for the common good for everybody else right and i and i i question that we really have personal freedom it's an illusion absolutely i'm not allowed to not have car insurance right <laughs> and 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 where do you have the time or the means to really live freely you know you have to worry you stay you, you stay in jobs sometimes just because of health insurance right because you can't afford it on your own and it's not it's not provided by the state as it should be uh, so you're stuck in a dead-end job where if you were able to feel secure in, in being able to pay your bills and have your health insurance covered, maybe you'd go out and, and do some something that you really want to do that's groundbreaking, that's inspiring, that you know was good for you and your community, but you don't. You're stuck in that job that you hate that sucks the life out of you just so you can have health insurance. It's, it's not what, you know, personal freedom. I don't know about that. I really, I mean, I, I guess we're not in the gulag, right? I mean, you don't, you're not forced to wear certain clothing that you don't want to wear. You're not forced to suppress your, your, your beliefs and your and your ideas as much as other places. But to, uh, we're not that free. No. 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 It's uh, it's an inter- I always say it's an interesting time to be alive. <laughs> it is, it is, and you know what? You mentioned Bob Casey, our senator here from PA. Uh, you and I live in northeastern Pennsylvania, and uh, we're very uh, connected. Though I would, I would uh, venture to say, to New York City, for example, New York City is a big influence on this area. Has always been, and actually, this area has always been a. A significant influence on New York City, too. If you look at some of the big uh, folks over the decades uh, that live, that moved to New York, you find a lot of them and done and had done some great things. A lot of them come from northeastern Pennsylvania. Having said all that, the news recently, Bob Casey, I saw a statement, they're going to reconnect the train. <laughs> they are. The next uh-huh. phase. They just passed the next phase. Did you hear about yeah. that? No. I mean, I've been hearing about it for a long time, but it is nothing's actually happening. I just had a student do a speech on uh, the monopolies of the train companies and, and Amtrak and how that works, which I didn't really know. I learned something. Yeah. Oh, for sure. The monopoly, they, they took advantage uh, of uh, so many people, so many towns to get that transcontinental railroad down. Yeah, they were horrible guys. I don't know, today, now it's basically Amtrak, right? I mean, unless we're talking about supplies, uh, they might be different um, organizations, independent. But Amtrak is is a federal organization, right? Right. And uh, are you excited about the prospect of having train uh, well, travel to the Big Apple? I- I'm wondering Again? how much that's going to cost. <laughs> you mean a ticket? Which has always been my question. Like, is it going to be cheaper to fly from Avoca? <laughs> you know? It can't be that expensive. Otherwise, no. If it's that expensive, it, it, I don't think folks would, would. The last time I took a bus, it was like 150 round yeah, trip. You're right. Bu- buses are very expensive. So is it going to be cheaper than the bus? I hope so. I hope so. Already, that's a lot. Yeah, 150 bucks. No, that's too much. Yeah. 
Right. Um, but it'll open things up in a way, you know. And I guess the reason I bring it up is is I you know assuming the ticket price isn't too high, as you just mentioned, could be a possibility. It it does allow for more environmentally sound uh, and easier access to uh, get other places, namely a, a metropolis like New York City. And also when you need to get out of that sort of high concentration, high energy situation and get a little relaxation, it allows people to get out and go into the mountains that are just, you know, a uh, stone's throw away. So it's good for society perhaps, right? I would hope so. I would I would love to be able to get on a train and go to Wilkesbury to to teach and you know, then take a, another train up to Keystone College later in the afternoon and not have to do all this uh car business. I mean, if I could take that car money and put it into train tickets, I would be more than happy to take public transportation. It's just we need to again, it's that idea of the the common good like would we even have libraries, you know, today if they hadn't been built so long ago? Huh. Great question. And, and I think a lot of them are probably uh, having difficulty these days, libraries. Although the libraries in our locality, they're doing pretty well. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, all these folks that are against what they call, you know, socialism, they don't understand, I don't think, that they wouldn't have a highway system or... Uh, a, a post office system, mail system, all these things are socialism, you know. Yeah, garbage the, pickup, you know. I mean, right, and the, I mean, as far as I know, the the right would like to privatize it all. Right, exactly, and then make them make profit. Privatize it all so they can make more, even more profit off of people who are working too hard already. Yeah, and the thing that blows my mind is there are folks who are going to would be at the sh get, get the short end of that deal. They support those notions because they've been convinced by people like Steve Bannon and many others that government is no good. You shouldn't trust it, and it's it's inefficient, and the people in the government are dumb, and yada yada yada. And right again, which used to be the left argument. <laughs> <laughs> going back, you know, progressives are the one that used to say the government was uh, no good. You know, Nixon was no good or whatever. And Yeah, but that was true. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but that they stole our words and now we don't have anything left. Well, yeah, we, we can't be lazy. We can't and we have to just go head to head with our analysis and our rationale and our examples, our citations to, to make the case. The thing that concerns me, though, Kitty Bell, is that most of our peers and most of our fellow citizens don't want to be bothered to hear these things. They don't want to engage uh, in, in the analysis and the discourse. Right. Yeah, I mean... How many problems do people have already? They don't. They don't need to hear about anybody else's, right? It's. I don't know. It's. Uh, it's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't either. But I I'm think looking forward to letting my mind have a rest and making those cookies. And <laughs> Thank you. Great segue. That's where I was going. You know me. You know where we're at. <laughs> It's cookie time. Let's go to cookies. Uh, at the end of the year, 
Kitty Bell and her sister and maybe a few other folks, they get together and they make an array of homemade cookies that, I mean, are you wouldn't believe. They're just amazing. I, and she has a little cookie run that she, she and uh, her sister um, uh, embark on every holiday season. And uh, I am lucky enough to be on that usually. Sometimes, you know, might be, I don't expect it because I know you're busy. Uh, but, man, your cookies are amazing. Are you getting ramped up for that? I was, you know, I, I knew that we were going to be talking today. And I was like, wow, I'm not even sure what I'm making, you know. I know I always do something with, like, a a fruit. I usually do something with nuts, something with chocolate, you know. So it's just a matter of what am I – and a shortbread. I do a shortbread and then the uh, the Lekvar kolaches, oh. which is uh, – you know, I, I have to do those because they were my grandma's favorite, and the store bought Lekvar is just not—it's it, not good. No, I agree. <laughs> but when you make it yourself, it's like, wow, this is good, right? Mm-hmm. So um, that's the best way to go. Yeah, I usually do the cookies by myself. Maybe um, the pierogies is what we do together, uh, my sister uh, and I. Yeah. I'm sorry, I've no. misunderstood. That's all right. And and this is you have as your part of your heritage, uh, Eastern European uh, culture, mm-hmm. right? Right. Yeah. My uh, my grandma, who she's the one that she she makes cookies. This is her thing. You know, she every I didn't get to spend a lot of time with my dad's side of the family growing up. Um, my parents got divorced when I was like three years old. Um, but we did get to go over for some holidays to my grandmother's house and she always had that plate of all those different kinds of cookies. And I, it, I remember it blew me away. Like I'd be lucky if my mom made cookies like once a year, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) and, um, and she just made, you know, different, a couple different kinds every week until the holidays. And then everybody left the house with the, with an assorted platter, and uh, I was like, that's one thing that I, I want to inherit from my, you know, my ancestors. But yeah, she's um, Slovak and she says, uh, she said Russian, I just found it recently. But then I was talking to a, a guy from that part of the world and he said that probably means Ukraine. Ukraine? Yeah, because in Slovakia, if you were from Ukraine, they would say you were Russian. Because you spoke Russian, I, I bet, or... Yeah, yeah, so so he thinks that that's what that means. But um, anyway, um, and yeah, and then my uh, my I'm, I've got the Hungarian and the Polish and the Lithuanian and uh, just a little uh, dash of French, which you know I guess helps with the baking. <laughs> it's all good. It's all one. Those are all wonderful cultures. Uh, uh, you know, every culture has so much. You know, great great cuisine i think if you look for it to offer yeah and uh i i you know i i uh i'm also looking forward to hopefully this year you said you said that you're going to do it again this year i don't know if you've got gotten around to it or what oftentimes with the cookies you leave a little poem that you wrote yeah or it's funny piece. you bring that up I'm, I'm working on that i'm actually going to the writing group uh there's a writing group that meets the first thursday of uh, every month over at uh groove brewing and um i think that i'm gonna finish the poem tomorrow night got my fingers crossed because i have to finish that card um 
so this is funny because I, I decided I, I usually take like a metaphor or something and, and blow it up in every way that I can. Um, and I decided wrapping paper was where what I was going to go with this year. Right. And then um, a, a student mentioned that how bad wrapping paper is for the environment. <laughs> oh, no. I know, right? This is so. I look it up, and I'm like, "Oh, we can't have anything anymore." <laughs> like, this is how people feel. Like, what are what are we what are we allowed to have? Um, wrapping paper. Yeah, um, there are environmental options. Um, but now I'm like, am I allowed to write a poem about wrapping paper without mentioning how bad it is for the environment? Yeah, you could probably use that in a way. I, I might, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to find a way to throw a joke in there yeah. about it because it's just like, oh, you'd think like wrapping presents would be one thing I didn't have to feel bad about, <laughs> right? Yeah, well, you don't, you don't, but you, you know, it is. It's a complicated world. It's not easy. These to figure out what works and absolutes are are something you should be skeptical of and. Because they really, you know, don't often exist. So, yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I had already written a line before that um, about my grandmothers who lived through the Depression. And I, I remember opening presents and my grandma would be like, okay, now you want to cut like right there along the tape and try to save that paper. Oh, yeah. Because I'm going to use it again, you know. And we don't do that anymore, well, right? Yeah, like, yeah. You're right. And 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 maybe that's part of the problem <laughs> is that we've taken these things for granted, you know. Um maybe it's not that hard to live in the world, but we're not saving the wrapping paper anymore. Right. You right. know, and and maybe we need to think more along the lines of, you know, our grandmothers who who lived through the depression and learned to do more with less. You know, as we figure out how to restructure society here. I love it. I love it. I think it's a good place for us to pause until our next conversation, Kitty Bell. Perfect. Beautifully, beautifully stated, beautifully done. Thank you for taking time out. I know it's a busy season. Uh, I look forward to seeing you on campus, hopefully these last couple of weeks. And uh, thank you know, thank you again for for making my day a little brighter with this conversation and i hope all the folks out there listening had a good time listening to us oh me too i know i was a little ranty today but oh well i'll i'll, I'll be a little more mellow next time no you were awesome <laughs> you were awesome thanks so okay. much sure thank you bye-bye okay bye Decorations are on by the fire Everybody's singing All the bells are ringing out And it's Christmas All over again Yeah, again Long dear Relatives Haven't seen them In a 
is your presence here really it is not and in the same breath it is indeed for one the person who waits and watches you walk by their home on the sidewalk that she keeps cleared and every saturday just before noon as you travel to purchase a loaf or two of bread from the local bakery on state street she expects you as one of your loaves at least will be sumptuous with black and green olives
And there you have it, episode 553 of Troubadours and Rockon Tours, with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, Kitty Bell Burbank. I also would like to thank these musical artists, Thelonious Monk, Wings, First Aid Kit, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Peter Brown, Branford Marsalis, and Terrence Blanchard, too. And of course, I would like to thank you for listening. Until next time, let's give it a go and do our best with this time. Take care of yourself. Don't let the holidays get you down. Try to enjoy them. Ciao.